Hey guys, and welcome to Gameplay Radio here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Aaron, uh, here in the studio with the fantastic Case Aiken. Say hey, Case. Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Case is yet another uh, producer for the Certain POV Podcast Network. Uh, he is the host of Another Pass, Men of Steel, and Scruffy Nerf Herders, uh, and has um, an impressive background in uh, theater and film as well. Uh, how 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 you doing, Case? Uh, how how are all the podcasts lately? Uh, the podcasts are generally going fine. This has been kind of a, a great era for for the recording side of things. Man. Given the, the pandemic, everyone's at home, so it's a little bit easier to pick up interviews with people. Uh, I feel that too. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's it's also a terrible time, and you know, it's stressful and weird, and mm-hmm. you know, it's this weird collection of emotions. But uh, yes, fine is a is a good term for it. <laughs> A term we're all getting very comfortable with these days. What is like? What kind of guests do you have on your many shows? Well, so the the, the as you mentioned, I've got three shows. Another right. Pass is a a film analysis show where we discuss movies that um, could have been like like they could be a bad movie or a good movie, but there there was some kind of flaw at the time of production that has limited its ability to be as impactful as, it, as one could be. Uh, hmm. So we like, we opened the show talking about the star Wars prequels and we've kind of gone on from there. And so the idea is to do a thought experiment of like, all right, well, if you were like a producer at the time, what could have been done to sort of try to make improvements. Um, and then every five episodes, we talk about a movie that actually course corrected along the way. So uh, recently, oh. pardon me, recently we talked about the toxic Avenger, which is not a, amazing movie but it was a five hundred thousand dollar movie made in 1984 and it's really impressive that they took a a a horror movie and like realized halfway through that it was a superhero movie and course corrected and it's as a result it's like in the public discourse in a way that it would not have been under its original idea so we, we try to show examples where it's like okay yeah a movie can make it work um or a movie that can't and so it's fun to like bring in people who are film people or creative types and whatnot to like really chat with them so like uh i'm bringing up the toxic vendor because we just did it and i was able to get the script supervisor from the from the movie on to like come and talk about it oh Uh, oh, wow sometimes it's just nerds who just have a love of the thing so you know it's a a whole range but uh Men of Steel is more of a, uh, is a Superman focused show. So we, mm-hmm. we sometimes get some comic book people or just people who have like fan sites or who are like part of like comics, Twitter or something, you know, like they're, uh, but th- the goal is to have people who are passionate about the property and sort of an, from an optimistic standpoint. Yeah. Um, and then Scruffy Nerf Herders is a D and D real play game, but it's set in the star Wars universe. So it, for okay. a while we had just people from the network um, as like one consistent cast. And since then we've kind of moved on to having uh, groups from different shows come on and do like little like guest spots for a few episodes nice. um, as if they were like different ships, like floating around in the star Wars universe. Oh, I like that. So you've kind of like tied all of your uh, RPG stuff together and like to one universe. Yeah. And like, I've got a big meta plot that is sort of that we're working towards, but each, yeah. each ship has like their own like little window of it that uh, mm. they're, they're like experiencing it. And like, I'm now starting to have some of the threads come together, which has been okay. fun. Do you ever use their characters as NPCs for other people's games? 
I do, I do. And that's, that's a way where I have been tying it together, where in session with, with the, the new, like the current guests, I'll mm-hmm. like play those characters and then I'll reach out to the people to get me the audio clips of like what I said in session. And I, I keep oh those gosh. fairly small, but it's, uh, it's been great having people who are enthusiastic and, you know, usually it's like, hey, could you read these like three lines to me, like on, <laughs> on like a Zoom call or just like record it on your like voice memo app on your phone or, right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I'll, you know, it's, it's a heavily edited show with, music and sound effects and everything. So it's not a big deal to drop in audio from a, like an outside source. No kidding. How much, um, how much like planning, like how much time do you think you've dedicated to making this universe, the Star Wars RPG? Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> uh, so we, the, the first 50 episodes was like one story that was uh, fairly well thought out from the get go. Uh, mm. That, uh, that was like a big, like I spent probably two or three months, like just like, putting down notes of like what I kind of wanted to do and building out the characters with the, with the players who, uh, who again were like the main people on the network at the time. And I was like, all right, this, this will be a really cool, fun thing that we all do as a collaborative project. Um, and then after f- episode 50, we wrapped up that story. And when I was starting the new one, it's been a little bit more like jazz where I've got <laughs> a few, you know, I, I spent some time figuring out like, all right, here are the things I want to work towards. And then as people have been free to do spots or, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. the thing turns into what was supposed to be two sessions turned into four. Uh, uh-huh. And it's like, all right, well, we're going to kind of all work it together. And uh, I, I figure out like what I kind of want to do with who I have for the guest thing. And also think about the elements that I want to tie, tie together for it. Um, which is to say that it is a lot of both plan- pre-planning and on the cuff or like off the cuff. Like uh, I'm just yeah. going to make it work. <laughs> so, I mean, it sounds like it's, so, like, it sounds like it's at least 60% improvisation. I, that's that's fair. Or, or at the very least, um, very, uh, very like, uh, short-term prep, like, when, you know, in the, like, the week before we actually record versus, mm-hmm. like, big outside, like, master plan stuff. And, and ultimately, like, we're all there to have fun. And if yeah. we can have a, uh, have a good joke and, uh, we, you know, we've got drinking game rules going while we go, which is if we <laughs> quote the movie directly, you have to yes. take a drink. So, uh, awesome. it, the, the goal is to have a good time. And then I cut it down so it's not a slog for the person listening. Perfect. That's, uh, that's the way to do it. Were you a DM before you started this show? Uh, yeah, although not for not by much. I, I only got into Dungeons and Dragons uh, in my thirties, actually. Uh, which uh, so I'm thirty six now. So yeah, it's been it's been been about six years since I like first got into it. Cool. And uh, you know, obviously, I got in first as a player. Um, and at the time, I was living in New York, and it was mm. a fun game with a bunch of my friends. And uh, shortly after that game started, I ended up moving down to the DC area. And it seemed like a good way to connect with friends that I had from down here that was, would be like, Oh, this, you know, this will be a a way for us to like get to know each other better or or like reconnect for some people. And it'll be really good. And I enjoyed it a lot. And around the same time is when I started getting into podcasting and I, I brought it to Ben and Addy who were the hosts of the, of the main certain POV show at the time. And I was like, Hey, do you guys want to do, do you want to do this? There's like a star Wars rule set. And, uh, it was like, yeah, yeah, let's give it a shot. So it was really my second game that I was the dungeon master for. <laughs> oh my goodness. So it's been kind of a learning, you've been learning how to DM since you started this show then. Yeah. And, and we switched, we switched rule sets. Like um, I started playing with Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 edition. And so that's mm. what I started with as a, as a DM. And then sure. 
dabbled with like Pathfinder. And so we used the, the revised rule set, which was basically Dungeons and Dragons third edition, but with Star Wars rules, um, which is clunky. Okay. Uh, and it was rough. And after we, we did that for the first 50 episodes. And then after that, Goodness. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make an up. I'm going to like modify this to work with fifth edition rules. Because yeah, move is, it up a little bit. This is a bit rough for me to try to explain people. Like your skill ranks are this, like every three levels you get a feat, but the feat give you like a plus two to some random bonus. Like it does, you know, it, it's a, all, all of it felt very inconsequential and like yeah. um, very jargon heavy for people yeah. who were outsiders coming in and and something mm. that also was more modern like uh, a lot of people have played dungeons and dragons fifth edition as, as, i mean it's blown up it's huge and oh, it's massive yeah uh so like trying to like even just go back to a different version of D would be difficult so i figured like let's make it the one that everyone's playing what like so what do you think about the fact that um the dungeons and dragons game keeps changing every couple of years i i mean i think part of it is a an ongoing strive towards towards perfection but i don't think perfection Mm -hmm. is an attainable goal i I mean i think that older editions each had this idea of like how they were going to explain the abstraction of tabletop role-playing like but at the end of the day all it is is a mechanic to sort of explain like why you you can't just say well i just won the fight well no you don't just (laughs) win the fight like you're a player you can't just tell someone that like that doesn't doesn't work so the the balance that they're always trying to strike is like well what's the what's the easiest to explain what requires the least slowdown in the game Mm -hmm. versus what is the amount of of, you know what's called crunch like what are the amount of rules that provide um, stakes for you because in two rules light of a situation you're relying on players just to like be there for the narrative but not all players are there just for the narrative some people want it to be a game yeah. so if it's two rules heavy then like everyone has to have like perfectly memorize the book and like you're you're stopping all the time to be like no 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 hold on i have a bonus here to this type of grapple check because i'm doing this you know like those yeah. are the things that like break the game also so like what like where do you find the line that makes it engaging and compelling um and and good for long term like i don't think fifth edition actually is like that great for like late game play because um mm. it, it the the amount of options are, are actually fairly limited and so it's not really conducive towards uh people who want to like spend like four or five days like designing their character from a from a, a build standpoint from a rule standpoint interesting uh, and so I think at, like every edition is going to like try to like figure out like where the zeitgeist is, like where the bulk of the players want to be and like mm-hmm. how they balance it out. And like fifth edition is very friendly towards outside people coming in and that's been great. And yeah, it's, it's sparked interest. Um, For sure. But at a certain point, I think they are going to move towards more complexity as like the base becomes comfortable and mm. then they're going to get complex and it's going to prevent people from getting into it. And then they're going to like roll it back and figure, you know, it's just like, like an like, ongoing cycle exactly. essentially. Yeah. Where would you like to see the gameplay go next? Like, obviously, you have this prediction for where you think it's going to go. Where would you like to see happen to this game, to this uh, structure system? Because, I mean, obviously, there are thousands of different tabletop role-playing games. Um, What should and what do you think uh, this Dungeons & Dragons Wizard of the Coast made system should be doing right now? Uh, that, that's a good question with D&D specifically because mm-hmm. it has the direct competitor which is Pathfinder 2 at the moment and then it just has all the other uh, like games that are out there that provide all kinds of different ways of doing it. Um, I, yeah. You know, I think the, the big question will be like how long does the game remain as a here's a book, here's a piece of paper, like 
here's a pencil, like let's play kind of situation versus mm -hmm. moving to online. Like I, I think that higher complexity really works well with online systems because you have a, a computer just doing it for you. Uh, things like That's Roll20 true. or D&D Beyond, like you can, it'll just be like, all right, this is what that spell does when I press this button. Uh, and that allows for more complex things. So if players find that they just want to do that, then it, it will let people go that way more so, you know, more quickly. Mm -hmm. um, it, but if they want to keep it something that's accessible to like, I have a piece of paper in front of me, then they, uh, I, I don't know. It, it, like I said, <laughs> it kind of depends on like where things sort of shape up. Sure. Yeah. And Wizards of the Coast has come under like a lot of scrutiny lately also. So um, yeah, well, that, yeah, that's, there too. <laughs> yeah, that's well, sorry, that's like that's a separate part of it. I, uh, I, I was thinking more just from a game design standpoint, from a oh, um, of course, yeah, yeah, totally. from, from a like two a, different like things, a, a socio political standpoint. Yeah, I think like uh, a lot of games have moved away from using terms like race to describe like the different species that you can play. They've called it like backgrounds or, or like I said, species. Um, and, and I think that that you know, a more inclusive nature, especially because, um, we, we've come to see that. The, that it is broadly appealing that it is not just like one like subset of like one one gender that plays it like it's it it's a lot of people enjoy it like most of my players in the games that i run out the the podcast is fairly split but like the mm. like home games i run are uh probably about 60 percent women and 40 mm. percent guys so like there's no reason to like focus on that and like uh trying to like uh align i think like fantasy species or creatures up to like specific racial groups is difficult and you definitely don't want it published because or or at least not in uh in a, a generalized sense like there's no mm. reason that orcs are always bad uh, yeah like you might have a setting where orcs are specifically like the tolkien orcs where they're like a you know a dark god corrupted elves and created this thing but right. that doesn't need to be the like the canon reason in every continuity yeah you and, should make it like something that people can just play however they want to Right. Like someone shouldn't, feel, you know, it, it, people sometimes um, f have a, a barrier on their first character to like playing something that's like really outside of their like comfort zone. Uh, like uh, people tend to play characters, the first character. And obviously once you've done yeah. it a few times, you sort of branch out that are like the same gender and theoretically have like similar mm -hmm. attributes to like how you see yourself as a person. Um, oh, and sure. the, the goal for a role-playing thing is that you should feel comfortable going beyond that. Um, and you shouldn't feel blocked from anything like you shouldn't feel bad about playing like a drow just because like you don't have an experience like a drow. No one has an experience like a drow <laughs> uh, or something to that effect, you know? Yeah. But yeah. So like, I, th I think that the, the goal from a publishing standpoint is that they should make it so that people feel comfortable doing it however they want to do it and not, uh, not limited. You know, it, it shouldn't be a myopic point of view. It should allow, allow a diversity of perspectives and how you want to play the game. Well, I hope Wizards of the Coast is listening right now and uh, can take this into account. <laughs> um, well, before we run out of time for the hour, maybe we should get into a bit of game. What do you think? Sure. Sounds good. Fantastic. Um, so, of course, the game we're going to be playing is completely not Dungeons & Dragons. So uh, we'll, it'll be a lot of fun, and we'll get into that in just a moment. But first, a uh, quick message from Radio Free Brooklyn. 
Friends, COVID-19 is disrupting everyone's lives right now, and Radio Free Brooklyn is no exception. We want you to know that we have made every effort to ensure the health and well-being of our hosts, staff, and the community at large, and we are continuing to do so. Uh, with most of our revenue streams evaporated, though, we need your help. We realize you may be hurting, too, but if you can afford a small donation, it would go a long way toward helping us stay on air. There are three ways you can help. First, you can give a one-time or monthly donation by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. There, you'll find some great t-shirts, mugs, and other swag that we'd like to send you to say thanks. You can also use your phone to text RFBGIVE5, that's the number 5, to 44321. It only takes a moment, and you'll be able to use your digital wallet for your donation. Finally, if you absolutely have to shop on Amazon, you can go to amazon.com slash smile and put their dollars to work for us by registering Renew Free Brooklyn as a nonprofit you wish to support. When you do, a percentage of your sales will go to Radio Free Brooklyn and it will cost you nothing. No donation is too big or too small. Whatever you can afford to give will be a huge difference for us. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, and we wish all of our listeners health and happiness as we weather the storm together. Also, if you kind of want to know what's going on with the radio station and uh, what we're kind of doing to support um, the community and how we are uh, still trying to give you new content in the middle of a pandemic, uh, you should subscribe to our monthly newsletter. Um, that's at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. So make sure to get on that too. All right. Let's play a bit of game. Yeah. So what we're going to be playing today is uh it's called standoff it was written by matthew rf uh Balusek, i think um matthew apologize if i'm saying your last name incorrectly um but standoff is described as a game about telling ridiculous stories together um if you like improv and you like fantasy this is probably going to be a game for you it's a game where everyone in the group uh, works together to tell a ridiculous story full of twists, reposts, counterfeints, and triple double crosses. Um, you can play with two players like we are, but uh, ideally you can play with more. Uh, the idea is that you work together to kind of set up the world that you're going to be playing in. Um, you put in a couple of different restrictions and rules, a couple of seeds of story elements that might be included. You make an antagonist, you make a protagonist, um, and then you get into a bit of game. Uh, now we decided, I thought it would be a good idea for us to do the, uh, the, um, background work ahead of time so that we could get into the gameplay as quickly as possible here. But I thought I would just give you guys a sense of the rules and things that we're working with today. Um, so we decided that our quote unquote restrictions are, uh, must offer that, um, whenever someone meets someone else, uh, okay. Actually, I'm going to do the setup first because that'll make more sense for these restrictions. Yeah, we, we went a little bit big on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, we kind of went back and forth on, on that. Uh, all right, so the, uh, the setting and the seeds that we uh, did is that um, this world is take, takes place mostly with um, airships. So it's kind of like a um, high-altitude society uh, where people live on like mountaintops and uh, flying around in airships um, because the ground is covered in this dangerous mist and it's kind of a dangerous place to be. Uh, and the reason why it is extra dangerous to be down there is because there are some extremely ravenous zebras down there. That's right, you heard me, extremely ravenous zebras. So um, 
that exists. Also, uh, this is a society where there is no central authority, so it's mostly a lot of smaller communities that are built up of each other and also a bunch of airships. Um, now, the restrictions that we added for the play of this game is that uh, whenever uh, two airships meet, um, one of the main rules is that they must offer the other traveler beef jerky and lake water upon meeting them. Uh, do you want to explain that one a little bit, Case? Sure. Uh, the beef jerky was, we were just saying that it would be kind of like a Zinnia or like a maritime kind of situation. Um, and it was like, all right, well, salted meat. All right, well, beef jerky is the funniest way to say that. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Lake Water, the thought was that, okay, you can go down to the ground. You can theoretically collect supplies down there, but it's really dangerous because of yeah. all the zebras. So Lake Water would be very precious. And so the idea was like, yeah, exactly. all right, if you're if you're encountering someone, you need to show a, a modicum of respect. And that includes uh, offering things that are very valuable. Excellent. Uh, so that is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be very polite. Uh, but also, um, only like low magic is allowed. So no high fantasy magic is going to be used in this game. Uh, again, there is no central authority. And also, uh, in terms of what the story is, we've included that there are no end of the world stakes. Uh, so um, that's just not the level we're going to be playing on today. Um, we also have two characters right now, an antagonist and protagonist. We are going to be playing these back and forth, so none of us own one of these characters. Um, but Case, would you like to explain and describe our antagonist first? Sure. The antagonist is Captain Stripebeard, the Zebra Master. Uh, and this is an extremely vain pirate who's obsessed with his image and thinks a zebra is his spirit animal. But like in like a basic way. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. and, and his goal is he wants to become a monopolistic marauder slash merchant uh, when everything settles down. So like he's he's a pirate and he's going to try to take out other ships uh, so that he can be controlling the skies. Uh, yeah, and, the way we described it is he was like Amazon. But yeah, yeah, we have a pair. I, I wasn't going to read the parentheses, but we say AKA Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, then his way of attacking is when his ships uh, board, he has cages full of zebras that he just opens up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and we'll add more powers for him. Uh, we also have a protagonist, uh, Faith Newman. Um, Faith Newman is a swashbuckling male deliverer uh, whose noble value is that she sees everyone as connected and strives to connect them through the mail. Um, so she, you know, obviously gets money by being essentially the USPS. <clears throat> um, and uh, she strives to kind of keep everyone connected by having this delivery service. Um, we have not defined her powers yet, but we will as we're going along. So those are like the main, the two characters that we have. Um, so now, now that we have those, quick rundown of how this game is going to be played. Essentially, uh, there are two main scenes that I figured we just do if we have time. Um, but the two main scenes are the first scene is one of the antagonist's minions is defeated by the protagonist's powers. And then the final scene is the protagonist defeats the antagonist, thwarting their sinister goal. So we'll do the first one. Uh, and what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going back and forth, doing a yes and scenario where we're basically just telling the story together uh, using the characters that we have made. Again, none of us own these characters. We can share them. I can be Faith. Case can be Faith. Um, a random person who hops into the uh, studio without warning could be Faith. It's all about what you claim. It's just a yes and situation until we reach a point of conflict and then it becomes a yes but situation. Uh, and then when we 
lose or when we run out of ways to say yes but to something that uh, the other person has suggested, uh, that's when the scene is essentially ending. So um, we'll keep track of that. Uh, this game also suggests having a scene facilitator. Um, I'll, I'll try to do that too, I guess. <laughs> um, but we're going to be mostly telling this together. Yep. Great. Uh, so the first scene, um, we had actually kind of talked about making a, about how this was going to be set up in the first place. Like maybe something like she had, um, like, cause I mean, maybe something like she, uh, Faith Newman was going to a, uh, delivery station, right? Yeah. Like a port or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like a port. Okay. An, an air port, if you will. An Ha 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 ha! An airport. Gracious. This is the kind of quality content you can find at certainpov.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go check it out, folks. <laughs> um, so, right. So she's go- she's going to an airport uh, to deliver some um, important packages and uh, feeling very eager when um, she sees, like, she sees someone who looks like they are filling out customs forms for an animal delivery. Yes. And the cages are larger than what you would normally expect to see. Yes. Uh, And um, so Faith goes up to this person who uh, is a man wearing um, a vest with no shirt under it and a very large pot belly. Uh, And she says, oh, hello. Uh, Can I offer you some beef jerky in lake water? Well, obviously, as is the the customs of this world, he res- he both accepts and reciprocates. Um, in his case, it is seasoned with uh, with peppers that would be difficult to find at high altitudes. Faith accepts them and um, goes to uh, ask if she needs any help with the um, customs forms, as she is there to kind of help with special deliveries. She's asking what is in the cages. So the, the, the customs guy would try to put on like a sort of a happy face about this, but would indicate that uh, it's kind of none of her business. Um, definitely would be behaving kind of shadily about it. Yes. Uh, and like I maybe think... even like, I, I imagine that the cages probably are not like, it's probably like opaque on the three sides and maybe like there's bars yeah. on like the door uh, and like tries to sort of like, put, I'm going to, I'm going to hypothesize that they're on rollers and is like kind of like pushing them. So you can't see, look into the, the cages particularly easily. <laughs> uh, yes. And I'm going to um, also suggest that um, this man who was named Frito. Is, uh, Frito um, Jenkins. Frito Jenkins, got it. Frito Jenkins. He's going to try to like hush the horses because they're, or not, he's trying to try to hush like the cages because he like sees something like they're kind of, uh, like one of them makes like a little witty noise and uh, he has to go and like quiet him. Right. And so uh, I imagine that even though this might be the main person like at the dock, like the, the person actually like filling out the paperwork, there's probably like a crew. And so he's sort of like trying to like summon them over to like, like, ferry the ferry those cages away and he would probably shuffle his paperwork as that's going on to try to like go to faith and see what she needs to present yes and i think faith is getting a little bit suspicious of uh these uh people who are the more she looks at them looks like they maybe have not seen fresh air in quite a long time 
And uh, I think she is going to um, ask what is in the cages and um, reach towards her mechanical lasso she has at her waist. Yes, her mechanical lasso, which is like a belt that has like a spring-loaded harpoon or something, or a, <laughs> like dart that shoots out the the rope around the thing. Yeah, it's like a it's like a it's like a precision aim lasso. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so she she has her her belt mounted precision aim lasso. Yes. Uh, that she she's now like gesturing towards, but she hasn't like actually pulled it out, right? Or not yet, no. Yeah. Um, and, and Frito Jenkins is going to respond. I mean, I, I imagine that he would fear the both the zebras and the zebras owners more than he would fear this like random trader. Uh, mm. I don't know. I, I I guess he would sort of back up as she sort of just or discussing it, and would be. The, you, you know would would invoke the code of the traders like it's like the, like what they're carrying is their business what you're carrying is yours uh, <laughs> mind your own <laughs> okay faith is going to go drop off her package and then try to follow them out to wherever they're going with the animals yes so she would drop off her package and I imagine if it's as a trader that there would be some sort of like pre-assigned like hey this is a like uh, the value of the the bag of letters versus the bag you know whatever sort of like parcel service sure. yeah. um since she's the delivery mechanism she would probably gain like be paid off immediately probably uh, so when sh- she would feign as if she was like going towards like the, the local port tavern or something and would actually like would walk up uh and like instead of like walking in she would stop like making like she was looking to smoke or something beforehand like she would start to light it up and then mm-hmm. would would stand there for a few moments and then da- like douse the cigarette or or whatever and uh run around the building to try to like uh gain stealthily follow the the dock crew moving these like f- these crates of animals yes and um as she is going off to see that, uh, she sees that um, they're pushing most of these cages back onto uh, what looks like a very um, pirate-looking ship docked kind of further away from the port of the the rest of the um, ongoing traffic through this port. Um, yes, yeah, so you can tell it's piratey because the flag um, is... Is it a black flag? Is it a white flag? I don't know. It has stripes... Yeah, that might be black stripes. Maybe it's white stripes on a black flag. Who knows? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's a little bit. It's a little bit kind of both. It's not quite clear, but it doesn't seem. It doesn't seem trustworthy. Children and, will debate uh, about it forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, they will. Is it is it is it blue and black? Is it white and gold? Who's to say? <laughs> um, so, but she does see um, that. Frito Jenkins is has a different cage off to the side, and it looks like he is opening it and is going to um, let whatever's inside out. And it turns out it's a ravenous zebra. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it rushes out, and uh, he's arranged for uh, wherever he wants the zebra to go to have like a, a plate of like just just fresh meat. Um, 
prepared for it to like run over and it just starts munching down on this like uh luring it away as if it was uh like breadcrumbs or something but in this case it's it's meat (laughs) uh yes and i think faith sees this and um she says that's going to to hurt everybody stop this now and she's going to um she's gonna yeah she's gonna pull out her her point precision whip and um she's going to whip it around the neck of the zebra try to you know to try to like pull it and like pull it back into the cage Yes, and she she fires off the, the, the lasso gun or the point precision whip and it re- goes around its neck and she, because uh, I, I imagine that she like climbed to a higher vantage point to, to look. Sure. She like takes the gun and like switches her hands so that it like goes around like a, a pillar and mm-hmm. uses that as like a, a fulcrum as she like jumps down and like the weight of her body pulling off it is what drags the zebra back towards the cage. Ooh, as she like okay. lands on the ground very dramatically. Yeah. Does a roll and like kicks the cage and the door shuts, trapping the zebra back in. <laughs> cool. I love it. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Uh, yes. But uh, Frito Jenkins is going to, um, yeah, he, he's he's going to pull out his, um, his taser gun, which uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, he's going to pull out his taser gun, which like shoots like electric shocks, and he's going to. Uh, try to shoot at her. Well, yes, obviously he would try to shoot at her, but obviously she would dodge. So when he fires off, and I imagine that the way his, like, this, like, taser gun works uh, is some sort of, like, um, crank lodestone-based taser that creates an electrical current. So, like, it's like a a spring-loaded dart and that he then has to, like, uh, hand crank to, like... uh, to spark it so he like fires it off he's already spinning it while it's uh like flying towards her and uh she she ducks and rolls as these like two darts uh just miss her space and uh she like presses a button that causes the uh, the whip to like whatever sort of like claw mechanism at the end of the the whip exists to release and she like whips it back around and as it flies back around the pillar that she initially had it on uh she spins it and like smacks the guy in the face so fredo gets like slashed across the face with the whip uh yes but um she slashes fredo across the face just as he is um, Frito uh, actually shot the taser gun to try to distract her, so he has he has been running towards the uh, the cage with wheels on it. And uh, while he does get slashed with with the with the whip, he starts he kind of like almost like he's pushing a skateboard. He starts pushing it towards the airship. Yes, but while she while he does that, she lets loose a whistle, and uh, coming out of the mist. Uh, her own ship pull, starts to pull around. Oh shit! A, a ship that comes on whistle command. I like that. Continue. And uh, it, it's not big, you know. It's like you know, she, it's like a it's like a yacht size kind of ship. Or not? It's not. It's not anywhere near the uh, the this like pirate dreadnought that that uh, that they were loading the uh, the zebras onto or off of. But it's you know, it's, it's a it's a lighter kind of vessel, and she's got maybe a few crew members who are, are ready at the call. And uh, it, it's starting to come come along, but it's it's still far enough away. But clearly, she has reinforcements on her way. Yes, but Frito calls out to the uh, crew that were loading the um, the other zebras back onto the ship and uh, tells them to prepare the guns on the ship. 
and uh, he's he's got the zebra and he's like almost on like the boarding he's almost boarding with the zebra now yes but while they're pushing the zebra pins up the galley ramp but uh, <laughs> onto yeah. the ship uh, harpoons start flying from her own ship uh, that uh, get in the way and so like the the, there's not a wide enough path and the harpoons are are, uh, are rigid enough that you can't just like break them with by rolling over them with the with the cages so they they are forced to stop and uh, have to go back to trying to like releasing the zebras to letting them run on but it's gonna be a little bit a little bit riskier now because they're they're free and they don't have food to like lure them uh, so as, as they release the zebras like one of the men it's very Jurassic Park style gets uh, a zebra head comes out and like pulls the man into uh, into its cage and it starts to roll back down down the yes. ramp yes and yes and the zebras are now attacking the uh, the crew uh, attacking the pirate crew but Frito Jenkins is going to um continue past the zebras and all the mist on there and he's going to try to get on a ship to get away I'm going to give a yes and he's going to grab the plate of meat and he's going to toss it onto the ship or uh, onto Faith's ship Mm. uh, as it's like coming close enough that the the zebras smell it and there's this like whole horde of zebras that start leaping up onto their cages and like making this like flying leap onto the ship as they uh, engage with uh, the like three-person crew that are still on uh, her, her smaller yacht-sized male runner. Oh, boy. Yes, but Faith takes out her whip again and uh, lasso onto, like, an edge, like, an out point from a Frito ship and use it kind of, like, to swing herself across onto her own ship and kind of kick with her feet. She's going to kick one of the zebras off of off of the ship and off of her ship, and it's going to uh, fall, tumble in, uh, into the air below. Yeah, into the mist. Like, yeah. it, it disappears, and you can see how the zebras are so scary, because yeah. with this mist, like, the white and black stripes like, really become invisible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, as it, Thank like, goodness they quickly. can't fly. <laughs> yeah. But she's only able to kick one with that, mm. and so two more are upon her and they uh, they start biting at her uh, uh, at, at her heels and unfortunately she has like thick leather boots that uh, like they don't they don't tear any skin or anything but they start like biting her uh, and they pull her off but or like pull her off her balance and so mm. she starts to fall uh, when like one of her her crewmen her her best friend since childhood rushes over and like shoulder checks that zebra and it also goes falling down so now there's only one left on the ship and he, he goes to, to help Faith up and this is Tom Journeyman Tom Journeyman or yes and Tom Journeyman is going to oh and Tom Journeyman has a harpoon in his hand Oh, he has, a, he has a harpoon. I was going to say, I'm like, I have to create, like, some sort of weapon for him. As a yeah, because they were throwing harpoons, so they've got harpoons cool. that can be used to either fish or to, like, help them dock on surfaces that aren't, like, you know, uh, not unfinished ports, or, right. like, if they're just docking on, like, a mountainside. Okay, okay, cool. So I have an idea now. Great. So, um, so yes, and uh, Faith and Tom are going to work together. Faith is going to um, kind of safety grab like heart like wrap tom's waist with her lasso and tom is going to with the harpoon in his hands going to like run towards the zebra and like jump off with it and like push it off of the edge of the ship to kind of like use that like full momentum to get the zebra off and faith is going to catch it with the lasso 
Yes, and when, when he does that, the yeah, zebra yeah. rises up on its hind legs, and its hooves are like, in in this world, are like razor sharp. They, yes, like they're hooves, but they're claws. Like they're sharp, <laughs> so that they can kill things with them. And so it rises up instinctively to slash at at, at Tom with with its feet, uh, and he comes up underneath and like does like a, a shura you can like uppercut with the harpoon, and like gets just enough momentum and uses the 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 force of the zebra ri- rising up to uh, to knock it off balance and like does as you say like yeah. leaps off with it off the side of the ship yeah. um, between the space between the boats into the mist and as he starts to fall he feels the tug of the whip around his waist uh, catch him and it, it hurts a little bit like it digs into his skin mm. but he, he's saved and he, Faith like starts to pull him up uh, yes but Frito gets away Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. <laughs> okay. Uh, end of the first scene. <laughs> that was fun. The, the, so the game suggests that we summarize that and we we give it a title. So we so we give a title to the scene. So that'll be fun. Um, I was thinking like the ditty with the dirty dock dealer. I was going to say like who let the zebras out. <laughs> uh, yeah, that probably is easier to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's who let the zebras out? Uh, we introduce ourselves to Frito Prince Jenkins. Fri- Frito, that's who. <laughs> Frito, and also a little bit of Faith, also. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Um, so, with the time that we have left, good God, now we have to make uh, do the final scene, <laughs> uh, which is the protagonist defeats the antagonist, sorting their sinister goal. So obviously there are a lot of other scenes that can happen in between these two. Yeah, so uh, off camera they're like, someone's trading in zebras. That's the most dangerous animal alive. I can't yeah. imagine. We have to go after them and find out. And so they, right. they find yeah. the ship. <laughs> exactly, they find the ship and she finds out that um, she she over time meets and gets to know Captain Stripebeard and discovers his plot to uh, have a monopoly on trade and uh, delivery services in this uh free over planet you know society and she um well, well like, sure no, because when stuff. they when the ship when they find captain stripebeard's ship um mm-hmm. like they still are beholden to the the rules of the land so captain stripebeard's on board and they're having lake water and beef jerky together and and and, and having like a, a quick polite chat before they resume hostilities <laughs> right exactly so uh that is where we'll start at faith um on captain stripebeard's ship you know, she did accept the beef jerky and uh, is eating and uh, kept in striped beard in a surprising form of um, respect has given her uh, safe jerky and uh, she is she's eating it on his ship and they uh, have just agreed or they've just agreed that they are at odds. Yeah, like I kind of imagine her like maybe like leaping out. Like I, I figure Stripebeard's ship probably sit, sits a little lower in the mist than most ships would feel comfortable. Oh, sure. Um, and so when she like just dis- like finds it, it's she like had the high ground uh, and like leapt onto the ship and it's like, like this ends now. And he's like, well, sure, but would you like some jerky first? Uh, <laughs> and so they're like talking about it and it's like, mm-hmm. so what's this seasoned with? It's like, oh, well, you wouldn't believe it. You can actually find this like kind of mineral down on the ground if you're not afraid of zebras. <laughs> and it's, uh, I think we call it salt. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so they're like talking about the, yeah. like, the different types of jerky yes. seasoning that you can do. And while at the same time being like, so, you know, as soon as we're finished here, obviously we're, we're going to have a fight, right? Yeah, oh yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. definitely what's going to happen. <laughs> 
It's it's like uh, it's like Princess Bride. It's like you seem a different decent fellow. I hate to kill you. Right. <laughs> and so she's like trying to eye up how many people he has on his ship, like how big his crew is. And I imagine right. that we're talking about probably like twenty to fifty people somewhere in that range of the crew. Like sure. it's a big yeah. dreadnought kind of pirate ship. Ooh, ooh, uh yes and uh little does uh, Captain Stripebeard know, but she ha the but Faith um is using this uh lovely repartee to um distract him from the fact that she has let her crew members sneak onto the ship to try to sabotage it so it's so it crashes below the mist yeah so she, uh, she's yes and she's been given a mug of lake water that she's sipping and she's like leaning up against the rail of the ship and she is tapping out in like their version of morse code mm. the the number of people she's eyeballing so she's like passing it from like she's like in middle of conversation and she'll be like well it, it's always rare to find someone who like properly seasons the jerky and then she'll go like clank clank and then like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and so while that, yes, and yeah, Tom Journeyman is leading another member of the crew, um, his boyfriend, James Cicero. James Cicero. Hey, okay. You're, you are on it with the last names today. And uh, they are going together to the. Um, engine room of the ship in order to uh, sabotage it and they have their own version they have um, special electric netting that they can throw at people on their at their disposal right but the netting still has to be like to a cable that they then hang crank the same yeah. way the tasers <laughs> yes, work yeah for sure uh, yeah yes and I think that the way that like all this stuff flies is that it's like all like lodestone like magnetic metals uh, mm. that uh, have similar polarities and so they repel from each other mm-hmm. um, and so you can disrupt it by like getting two that have opposite ones that then attract to each other and uh, screws with the uh, the like the sure. magnetic lift uh, and the, the way that the uh, all the electric electrical systems work is again it's like a dynamo so it's a hand crank to create a current Yes, yeah, and they make it to the back of the back of the ship, and they throw one of these nets over the control plant, one of the control panels for the engine, and uh, try to fry it. Yes, and in doing so, what they succeed in doing is they screw up the balance on it so they fry it but the system the system works on like counterbalancing levitation so all of a sudden only one side is functioning and the other one is fried and the yeah. ship the ship pitches uh wildly so it uh all of a sudden one side rises up and it's like at a 45 degree angle and so everyone starts sliding towards one side of the ship yes and immediately upon uh this happening captain stripebeard knows something is up and he is going to um stand up from his uh, lake water and um, shout, do you think that this is going to stop me? And he is going to um, pull out a vial of uh, acid that he has created and he's going to throw it at Faith's feet to get her to drop through, like to the clouds below. Yes, and, and she says, no, but I will, for you see, I finished my jerky and she takes out her whip gun and like fires it up to a mast and like causes, causes the mechanism to like pull her up. Cause you know, like a grapple yeah. hook. Oh, um, of course. And, and she, uh, she flies up just as he throws the, vi- the vial of acid towards her feet, uh, just barely missing her. Uh, and she disappears into the mists above. 
Whoa. Yes, but Captain Stripebeard um, takes the napkin that he uh, set out for her at this uh, fantastic uh, table setup that he had for her, uh, goes to um, one of his, uh, goes to a zebra cage and holds it in front of the zebra's nose and says, find her. Uh, And then sets the zebra loose to go hunting for her. Yes, but as the zebra uses its razor-sharp hooves to start climbing up the now 45-degree angle (laughs) mast, um, the sail of the ship, uh, because I imagine they still use wind currents to propel themselves. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. they they levitate with the ship. They've got it. Yeah. The sail of the ship starts to to come down and, like, wraps, or, like, catches the, the zebra and starts to drag it down to the, the the deck of the ship for for Faith has cut the sails uh, and now the zebra has been trapped and uh, is uh, trying to like fight its way out of the, this like cloth that's like covered it. Yes, but uh, while this is happening, Captain Stripebeard is going to go running towards the back of his ship after Tom and James and uh, he is going to go to the engine room with uh, two members of his crew and he is going to um, try to uh, sick some zebras on them too. Well, yeah, he, uh, yeah, yes, and he does so because he has the ultimate zebra lore, the zebra cake, if you will. The zebra cake. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the other zebras are following him. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know what he does? He has it on a string uh, attached to his stick and he like hops on <laughs> one of them and rides the zebra into the, like into the lower decks. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so he rides the zebra in and uh, <laughs> like kicks open the door into the engine room. At, at which point he just tosses to, to like in their direction just tons of zebra cakes, and the zebras are going nuts. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yes. And the the cakes pelt the the skin of of Tom and uh, and James, uh, so that they now are particularly enticing to these uh, ravenous zebras. Um, yes, but James is going to move towards the other side of the engine room for the working with the working engine and try to uh, lower and try to with the cake <laughs> on him. He's going to try to lower the zebra in to charge at the other engine, uh, and the zebra does and um, like starts like gouging or and like starts. Um, kind of like gouging at uh, the, all the mechanics that are over there too. Yes. James jumps out of the way, of course. And when this occurs and the ship rocks a bit, uh, members of the crew up top uh, fire off their anchor gun uh, in the, now that they've, because they've figured out where the ship must, or where a uh, faith ship must be. Mm. And at, attach it, or it, it fires off and uh, connects to her uh, ship uh, oh, as the engines cut out and now the ships are now both being pulled down into the mists. Yes, but Faith is up there. <laughs> so Faith is going to um, try to uh, break off a sharp edge of the ship or something using her incredible strength from carrying all of those packages. And um, That male muscle. <laughs> the male muscle, yeah. And she's going to try to uh, Break the hold of the uh, of the um, like the cable that attaches to her ship. Yes, 
but unfortunately it is it is like steel cable and she's not able to like she's able to bend it but like it's like it's kinked but it's not it's not totally breaking um she needs more she needs more power she needs horsepower (laughs) and so she she climbs down and uh grabs uh, like uh like cuts open the sail of the the trapped zebra and like whips around it at uh, or whips around its neck and like tries to actually break this creature um, in the Ooh. domesticating a horse scenario, not in like okay, a, okay, in okay, some sort of monster, okay, bad person way. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's really hard to say. Like, I mean, the zebras are evil, but also no zebras are harmed in the making of the show. I don't. <laughs> Right, and so it yeah. tries to buck her, and she's like yeah. riding around the the deck of the ship, and eventually it's it gives up on trying to like fight her as she like gets it to uh, gets it to just like finally start following her commands, and she goes yeah, and she like leads it over to where the uh, the like the the cable is attached to mm-hmm. to uh, Zebra Beard's ship, mm-hmm. um, and uh, <laughs> as she's getting over there, she she grabs a bit of zebra cake and like rubs it on the chain and the zebra goes and like takes a, a powerful bite and snaps the chain. <laughs> yes. And uh, she lets go of the horse and leaps up and uh, grabs onto the part of the, of the, um, the, the rope that is the, uh, the, the cable. There it is. The word, the cable that's still hanging from her ship. That's been cut and goes and grabs onto it. So she is not on, um, her ship and she tries to call out, uh, for James and Tom to get the fuck off of that ship. Yes. And she, after she calls out to them to like start making their way to like making their way out. Yeah. Um, she shouts up to the, the person manning her ship still, the, the remaining crew person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is Alice Turnblatt. Alice Turnblatt. <laughs> Alice, dive! And the ship starts to drop and it's like dropping in parallel. Like eventually it gets like, uh, it matches velocity with, uh, with Zebra with Beard's ship. ship. Uh, and she's hanging from the chain and like James and Tom are like like they're they're running out of the back zebras cha- like coming yeah. up behind them they're like knocking over barrels of like fish and stuff to like try to slow down the zebras as, <laughs> as they're running and like they they make a f- like a flying jump uh, trying to extend their hands and catch on to the outstretched hand of faith yes yes and Tom, in a moment of ingenuity, while he's running, he is going to uh, take apart the electric net in his hands. He's going to uh, ditch the generator uh, so it's just a net, and he is going to use it as an extension to kind of try to uh, hold on to the end um, and hold on to his uh, boyfriend, James. And he's going to throw the net and, it, and going to, like, kind of catch it around Faith's hand so she has a better grip and can, like, kind of catch them together. And uh, together as one kind of long line, they leap off and um, under Faith's strong arms she uh, catches them while hold, like by holding on to the end of that net. Uh, and, and as they're, uh, they, uh, they, they've been caught and she's holding on to it and Alice starts to or, or rather stops descending and uh, they, they start reversing direction to like pull themselves out of the mist. Her ship first emerges from the from the, from the misty uh skies into the uh, the clean air above and mm-hmm. there's this uh, cable hanging down and there's faith first and then from her arm uh, is this net wrapped around it and uh, t- 
Tom and James are attached to that, and Faith goes like, and that is the might of the United Skies Postal Service. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Amazing. Well, that was fantastic. And <laughs> that was so much fun. I had so yeah. much fun with that. It is kind of nuts doing it in two scenes where it's like, all right, how do we do the cold open and also the climax? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I can only imagine how much fun it is, especially like if you're just like with a bunch of friends sitting around like just for an evening, just doing that for yeah. an evening. Yeah, it's like uh, in college. Um, in college, we uh, was when the movie uh, The Aristocrats came out, and so okay, the like the documentary about the like the the bad joke, basically. Yes, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah. so we were all like really into it, and like on our dorm wall, uh, mm-hmm. we wrote like the the opening bit and like the the last part. It's like, and it's called The Aristocrats, um, and we would all like try to riff on it, which happened when we got really drunk, and that was about it. But like, you could sure. see this being a more fun and productive version of that. Sure. Yeah. You know. Just getting a, getting a little bit more creative. Um, how does it compare to playing Dungeons and Dragons? You know, I, I mean, there's like an element of like the like like D and D has like a turn order and stuff to sort of like facilitate um, that, and like you own a character in in those kind of scenes, so it like has a sort of a different vibe. Like this is really fun, um, but it but I can see where it's one where like you have to have people in a particular mode who want to like tell the coolest story as opposed to yeah. living the coolest story. Uh, and so yeah, it's, it's two point. different experiences, but it's it's a lot of fun. I really I really dig these kind of like improv kind of bits. And honestly, when you're when you're doing when you're playing with another person, like you really just like bounce off each other's like strengths in a way too. That's oh yeah, cool. yeah. That this, this has been great. Like we neither of us I think could have come up with this, especially not in this time frame. Uh, no. on our own. <laughs> no. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, being here, being on my show, and playing this with me. Yeah, thank you for having me for introducing me to this game. Absolutely. Uh, uh, is there anywhere that our listeners should uh, like look for you, find you, follow you, etc.? Uh, sure. Like the, these days, the majority of stuff is at certainpov.com. It's where mm-hmm. I've got three podcasts, but we've got uh, 11 shows. Tur- uh, I almost said turtle at the moment. Oh, we have 11 shows total at the moment. Um, and we're a growing network. We've got a lot of different viewpoints. We've got shows on books. We've got shows on video games, all kinds of fun. fun. Sure. Yeah, that, that, those are the only two things. <laughs> like movies, <laughs> TV, comics. All, it's fun. It's, it's good. You can Basically, if you want to nerd out, go to certain POV. Yeah, and then I'm on Twitter at Case Aiken. Uh, I talk a lot about Superman on there. I typically uh, try to like post things about characters who are based on Superman, uh, which I call my Superman analog series. And, <laughs> uh, you know, share, share memes and try to support other people and other cool projects um like the these times like i said have been good for connecting with people digitally and so mm. uh i have found that like there the digital community has really been strengthened in the last few months where we're all like trying to like post like hey this person's working on this project or this person's working on that and so like once you become more tuned into it you can see just like how much art is being created in these times and it's it's really re- re- really rewarding to see uh because it's easy to kind of get like locked in your own headspace that's too real. Well, um, I hope that no, no, it's, it's we were doing that fantasy, wasn't that so wasn't a bad to too real. real. That was just like a yeah. <laughs> um, well, folks, I hope that you also find a little time to get out of your own headspace, maybe play some games, and also connect to the gaming community. They're a really cool bunch. But folks, uh, it is definitely we are definitely over time. So uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoons. Thank you for being here, listening to Gameplay Radio here on Radio Free Brooklyn, and we will talk to you guys next time. Goodbye.